Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Ben here, and in addition to this podcast, I also teach Microsoft Excel online. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access to the course. Stay tuned after the episode for a little bit more information as to why it's so important to improve your Excel skills and unlock your inner Excel ninja. Thanks. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I have a simultaneously old and new friend here, Jordan Goldmeyer. Jordan, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am unbelievable. That's good. So what's weird about us as a guest and host is that I thought I didn't know you and I, we had known each other quite a long time ago, uh, talked about doing work together and at length on the phone. And I felt like uh, that's a little failure of my own to not know my guest is someone who I'd almost done a business dealing with when you were in your Excel.tv days. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I don't take any offense to it. I mean, it was so, it was a while ago, you know, I thought maybe when you reached out, I was, I thought maybe, does he remember? I'm not so sure, but I figured it would come up naturally, which it did. Perfect. So what I like to do is start out by uh, pumping yourself up, bragging, whatever the thing is that is the opposite of failure talk so that when we get to the failure, you feel like you at least uh, pumped yourself up a bit. I hear you. I mean, look, like, you know, my whole thing is, the, the difference between success and failure is actually not like so, uh, so clear because, you know, you can't have successes without failures. So, you know, am I, if I'm supposed to brag here, like, look, you know, I've failed a lot, but at the same time, I've done a lot. I'm on my fourth book. You know, I have a business that's actually doing well now. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to become a digital nomad, going to be moving to Portugal here soon. I, I would say that I'm, I'm fairly proud of my accomplishments. Uh, I feel very good about that. But, you know, it, it all kind of comes at a cost. And when we look at the cost of that, it, the cost is generally failure, right? It's the cost of all the things that did not work in the past. I don't really have any issues about going into my failures because they are what they are, right? So that, so, um, you know, my whole mantra here is to go out and fail anyway. And that's just how I, I, I live and I believe in it. Like, you know, stop worrying, just go out and fail. Like, who cares? Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Who cares? I mean, even if the worst does happen, like, fundamentally who cares it's all we're all going to be gone and this planet will eventually die exactly the sun will explode and all the good things yeah right so you're my first excel guest actually, okay and you're probably like number 100 or something even though i'm only released 60 but uh i'm excited for the first time ever to have an excel person on here because you're probably the only one who i can handle having on at least as a start because a lot of people i don't know if you find this being an excel teacher as well I find them falling asleep halfway through the word Excel. And I don't know if that's true or if I just make it up in my own mind, but it's hard for me to stay jazzed when I feel like most people, but I, the thing is I forget about all the people who love it. You know, I ignore them in my mind because I'm thinking about the fact that most people in general don't. What do you, what's your take on any of that? Well, I mean, look, it's, it is the most um, used software program in the world. So there's clearly a lot of people who like it. Like, I think it's like, that's true. Yep. The most used software program in the world. In the world. Even Chrome or anything? It beats Chrome. 
It, it, you know, like uh, I think it, it has like 750 million users, um, which is like, you know, that's pretty substantial. Um, yeah. That's what they say. I don't know how they're how they're adding that up. I say that in my ad on this thing. I said there's over 700 million or whatever. So. Oh, yeah. 750 million listeners. Yeah. <laughs> no, users. I mean, I, I mentioned Excel. I have an Excel ad. And I, I, oh, I see what you're saying. I quote the same fact. Oh, okay. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, they say that. Like, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it's true. It does seem like it has a uh, global use. I mean, my own view is that there's really a few types of people who don't, who don't like Excel. The first type is they're the creative types, right? The people like, mm-hmm. really the people I love to hang out with here in New York, but they all say to me, uh, they all say to me, I, I hate Excel. And they like make it a point to like, yep. they're like, you do Excel? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, I hate Excel. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, it can't, you can't make friends everywhere. So <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Cause it's like, they act like we can't be creative as well. It's like, we're out of yeah. the club once they realize we're an Excel person. But, well, they like they look at me. The first thing they, they ask me is they're like, so you're into music. I'm like, no, not really. They're like, well, wait, what do you do? You're not a musician. I'm like, I'm into Excel. And they're like, what? They're like, well, what's with the hair? You know, so they like think I'm lying to them at first. Um, I get that a lot here. So you're a musician, right? I'm like, no, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, listen, I play ukulele because I live in Brooklyn and I'm a hipster, but I don't play it well and I'm not that good at singing. So I, I would say that a lot of people, there are people who will try to, you know, give you, give you um, crap about it. But most people I find are actually very impressed. And then what they do is they go through this, they, they go through these things. They always say the same stuff to me. And I guess I'm going to make fun of them a little bit. Sorry if you're one of those people out there. <laughs> First thing they say to me is, you know, Excel, I just know Excel can do so much more. Oh yeah. Like we only do, it's like, they talk about it like it's the human brain, you know, like they say we only use 10% of our brains. So like, they're like, mm-hmm. we only, I only use 10% of Excel. Imagine what I could do if I did this or that. But, you know, I, I should tell your audience here, like, because people ask me, how do you become really good at Excel? And you're probably the same way, Ben. Like, I just became obsessed with it. Like, I'm like out here living it and breathing it, like to the point that I'm seeing Excel in my dreams, you know, coming up with solutions when I wake up. So, um, and, you know, for whatever it's worth, I'm not going to be fully Excel from here on out. I'm sort of pivoting away to get into more data, to get into more entrepreneurship. But of course, like Excel plays a major role, both in my service offering in part, but also in how I run my business is my entire like operations um, in financial model is built on Excel online, which is the worst version of Excel. I think we can all agree Excel online is terrible, but uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about switching to sheets or at least I use sheets for certain things. It's like, I don't know why they can't uh, Excel can't figure it out as well. Yeah, right. I, I was curious when you were just saying that. What's the weirdest thing you've made in Excel? And I'll say what the weirdest thing I've made in Excel is, and we'll compare notes on what we think that is. And, and weird meaning like maybe useless, maybe just a, a thing that has nothing to do with no value to most people or whatever the thing is. Um, well, you know, I built that thing in Excel where you, you drop in a bitmap image and then it like takes the cells and it turns them into little pixels and it will draw like whatever you drop you in. Gotta send me that. That's amazing. I've been I've thought about that because you know, pixel art is basically yeah, it's basically pixel art. Yeah. And that was hard to do. And uh, I had to like look up. Yeah. You have to look up the specifications for a bitmap because you got to read it like it's text. Yeah. And then like, you know, there's all these like things in it and it's not very it's not compressed like other like other um, image types. But yeah, I mean, that was fun to do. I did that about 10 years ago. And what it's really. Oh, sorry. Are you, are you like me where you just uh, you learn a ton about something that no one ever learns about just because it's related to the thing you're trying to do? And then, then you have all this weird knowledge about it. And so maybe you kind of dive deeper into that. 
I mean, I don't know. I try to put it to good use, but I mean, I would say I'm yeah. probably like you in that way. I don't, I don't know if I have a judgment on it, like it being weird and stuff. I didn't mean to judge it. I meant like it'll unlock things on how to think like an image, for example, like you. Yeah. I mean, like I have obsessions, you know, like I get obsessed, like I'm obsessed with Excel. I'm obsessed with, um, hot dogs, you know, like I love <laughs> meat. <laughs> I get, I just have obsessions about things and like, you know, my whole life, rather than take medication to like tamp down, tamp down the OCD, I have transmuted it to like, put it into things that like make me feel good about myself that actually bring value and create and like take that energy and turn it into creation. So I don't really, I, I would say probably I have a lot of weird knowledge about a lot of different things, but I couldn't even tell you what I remember what's in my brain. Like it'll just come out when it's ready. Yeah, me too. I don't know how people retrieve memories and stuff properly. I, I have to like be either thinking about something, something comes up or I have to like, uh, yeah, I have to unlock it. It's like, I can't think of a memory and just think of it. I have to, it somehow has to be conjured up in some way. And then I'm like, Oh man, I know this whole thing. For sure. I know how to do this whole thing that I just hadn't thought about forever, but my weird one, it kind of relates in terms of like color stuff, mm -hmm. but I made a custom monopoly board in Excel. That was uh, every row and column was one sixteenth of an inch or a 20 inch by 20 inch board. And there's no way to, I, I had to figure out, which I don't know if you know how to translate Excel's point value system for how you measure width of a column into inches, which I had to go. It's not, it's its own measuring system. It's, yeah. It's not pixels. It's not anything. It's its own thing. This is a twip, right? Isn't that right? A twip. Do you remember that? Never heard of the TWIP. I hope not. I mean, I didn't come across that thing. I know I was getting conversions between basically Excel, pixels, and then inches. And I had to figure out how to go back and forth because I wanted all, uh, for some reason, I needed to be exactly 20 inches by 20 inches, even though I never printed it out. I didn't even, once I knew I could do it, I just stopped doing it because I was like, I wanted it to be so you could pop in your own monopoly. You know, you have a, a, another sheet where you just pop in all the names of the properties. And it'll populate the board and then you could really print it on a 20 by 20 thing. And once I knew it was possible and I did all the things and I got most of it working, I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? <laughs> and Parker brothers won't let me do it or whatever. I can't sell it. I can't, I, I could probably get this quicker and easier any other way. And it, and my version even didn't look good. It looked like an Excel spreadsheet that was made into a monopoly board, but it's just an example of how, like, if you do that kind of stuff, then later on when you're dealing with some other weird problem, maybe something you unlocked during that time will like come up and you never know what you're going to learn. And I think it's good. It's good diving down those little uh, rabbit holes, so to speak. I think so. I mean, the question for you and for the audience here would be like, is doing all this work, but not putting something productive out, is that considered a failure or is it not a failure? I mean, everyone can have a say on it, but ultimately like you're, you are better off for having done it. I assume I don't really know you well enough and I don't know if uh, people are like, Hey, I need to get this done. What are you doing? But like, you know, like I'm assuming you're better off. So it's in my, in my, uh, my presentation as part of my course that I have. It's one of the examples I use as what, you know, I have a screenshot of it and stuff. So like I use it as part of my storytelling and things like that. And just like you do with your, uh, so instead of a BMP, you called it a bitmap. Is that what it was? Yeah, bitmap. Okay. I didn't know. I don't know if I knew that was the full name of it. Oh, for a BMP? Yeah, it's a bitmap. But you don't think hear about BMPs anymore. They kind of fell off the radar. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, they're a very easy, like, file type to read. But you're right, because they don't compress well. I mean, they don't compress at all. We should have called them bumps. 
Everyone would have been on board with it. Like you're sending gifts, you're sending bumps. I mean, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Why not? So uh before before we get into like more of the failure stuff, because I'm enjoying what we're talking about. What's the deal with hot dogs? Why is there uh I don't know. I mean they're not bad. To be clear, I'm not I'm not dogging them. Not dogging them. What is what started it? Is there like an old weird memory of Coney Island or something? What is the thing? Like, honestly, I mean, I can't separate it from the fact that I'm Jewish because we eat all beef hot dogs, which is clearly the better hot dog. Okay. Now, that's not. I was recently served one by a friend at a house and they said, Yeah. Are, is it okay? They're all beef. And I'm like, What? First of all, I'm not going to ask what kind they are, but I'm not, I have no dietary yeah. restrictions around meat. But yeah, all beef is the way to go. For sure. I don't have a problem with it. Oh, do I want the bologna version or whatever the hell it would be? Yeah, I don't want the, the the chicken turkey dog is like so gross. And to be sure, like I don't keep kosher anymore. And like I eat other types of sausages, eating the all beef sausage, just the all beef hot dog growing up. I don't know. I mean, like my family's like European, like, I, I don't know. We just had like a lot of meat around and then there was a lot of barbecues and I would eat these hot dogs and I just love them. And so what happened is my family would have to buy an extra pack just for me. This is like Jordan's pack. I could sit down and eat eight of, eight of them, right? And then the other weird thing is like eight. Yeah, I can eat so many hot dogs. Like I can't. I can't. Wait. Are those all naked? What do you eat? Eight naked dogs? Or are we talking fully, fully dogged up? No, we put you put them in a bun. You put a little mustard on them and you eat them. You know, I don't know. Like well, but with the bun and the condiment, like I can barely do two. You do eight. Well, I can't do it anymore. I can do maybe four or five now. I think I did five like last week. <laughs> so like you know, I can't do eight anymore, but. When I was a kid, like, yeah, I could just down them. They would just get, like I said, they give me my own pack. That was Jordan's pack, you know? So that was, and I also, there was another food I was obsessed with, which we did not, I mean, talk about in like the pre-show here, which is tater tots. Like I love tater tots and I love baked tater tots. Like Orida, you know, you got to bake them. You got to make them crispy. The the cool thing here is at the bodegas in New York city, like they leave the French fries out. And so then they, they drop those in to the um, deep fryer. They're so crunchy. So sometimes I leave the tots out just a little bit longer so they defrost a little bit and then you bake them and then they're really crunchy. Um, technically, I shouldn't advocate that because the back of the thing says don't cook it from not frozen, but hey, what I do is like <laughs> we're rule breakers, right? Right. Well, I don't want I don't want the FDA to come after your show or whatever. Don't try this at home, <laughs> but it's delicious. Yeah, right. So I got to I got to get your opinion on something because it's been sh- pissing me okay. off big time. Tell me. And it's so minor, but it's right on brand for what you were just talking about. So uh, the nearest bar and grill restaurant to me, Okay, I got the Heimlich maneuver there uh, over a year ago, unrelatedly. I just wanted to throw that into the mix. Okay. They just added a menu item and it's only got a little special menu uh, separately of everything else. And it says on it, yeah, house made potato tots. Yeah. Not homemade, which I believe is it's neither one is happening at a bar, but house made to me is worse than homemade. If you're going to pretend and then (laughs) potato tots, not tater tots, but potato tots. What do you think of potato tots? I mean, it's not what I call them, but you know, like I'm I'm, totally chill with it. I'm pissed off and I don't even like, I don't even like tater tots. I mean, there's even like different, like, here's the thing. Okay. Like when I'm talking about the tater tot, I'm talking about the machine made thing. All right. Like, the bullets, they're like, they're whatever they're uh, yeah, like the right. Or you can get them off the assembly line. Exactly. And like, I've, I've done homemade tots before I've had homemade tots. They're not bad. I'm not hating on them. Like they're good, but are they my favorite food? No. Okay. I'm talking about the frozen bag of like salt blasted, you know, Orida 
potato puffs. You want to be brought back in time to when you were someone who could eat eight hot dogs. Yeah. Right. Or like last week when I, when I ate five hot hot dogs, (laughs) I hope you start measuring your age and how many hot dogs you're going to eat. And you just Benjamin buttoning your way from eight hot dogs down to something lesser. I mean, here's the thing. I can't eat them all the time. Like I don't eat them like I used to. Like, I mean, it's just the truth. Like if I sit down and eat them, I'm going to eat them. Okay. But like, I don't like, it's not like once a week, like how I used to, like when I was in college, I was like, I love hot dogs. I'm going to eat hot dogs once a week. There is one last random fact to this story, which is I don't like ketchup. Um, I just don't like it. And I never thought I would just like, you don't put ketchup in anything. I just don't like it. It's just like, not even tater tots. No, I just don't like the way it tastes. What do you dip those in? Nothing. I just salt and more salt. You psychopath. You just eat tater tots by themselves? Yeah, just, yeah they're crunchy. They're delicious. I don't know. Sometimes I'll put them in mustard. I mean, look, Oh. you can make like... You lost me. <laughs> you could put them in like... If you take a little like mayo and then you add like um, one of those like those a can of adobo like peppers and you mix that up, you kind of mix chipotle. Maybe it's not adobo. It's not the right word because chipotle, they're different peppers. I don't know. I'm not good at this stuff, but my buddy made it. I'm even worse. I'm not going to even fact check you. <laughs> like he... he he made it. He like you get a can of peppers, you get some mayo, stir it up, let it sit for a few minutes, and it's like a nice dipping sauce. I don't know. I'm down. I'm down with dipping in mayo. Poor man's aioli, I guess. Like you know what I mean. What I call Ben's sauce or whatever is just ketchup, mayonnaise, and sriracha. And I think if if you didn't know, and I gave that to you, and I said I would know, it was some sort of aioli. I could taste. I could taste ketchup. I would know. I don't even like. I don't like house made nor homemade ketchup people are like oh well you'll like this homemade ketchup i'm like no listen i don't like ketchup you're not listening to me like i don't i'm not gonna like it if someone makes it themselves like it it still tastes like ketchup to me i just don't want your weird sugary tomato here's what i think it is this is my guess my random uneducated guess on why you don't like ketchup and don't even don't correct me yet if you know the answer so okay growing up you love hot dogs and there's probably if you had, if people had to rank it, I think ketchup might win. I'm not sure. Maybe not anymore, but back in the day, I feel like ketchup was the, was the, as a kid, the condiment for hot dogs. And I feel like people kept pushing that on you when you're trying to dog up <laughs> and then you're like, no, I'm mustard. And then you went so entrenched in your anti-ketchup <laughs> stance. I mean, that you put it to absolutely everything else. I don't know what happened. There is like, there's a video footage of me when I was five putting ketchup and mustard on a hot dog. Okay. And eating it. So, so like there was a moment where I ate it mixed together on a hot dog, but there was a turning point in your life. I don't know. There's just this moment where I just stopped liking it. I think it was just like we were going out places like where there were French fries Mm -hmm. and people were putting ketchup on them automatically. And I was just like, I don't like this. And then I guess they were trying to put like, I don't know, like to me. A hot dog already has corn syrup in it, okay? So if you put ketchup on it, ketchup is made with corn syrup. It's like you're putting this red on red. Like, that's what bugs me. Like, mustard is contrast. Like, in the colors contrast, what? You didn't know it was anyone as a kid. Yeah, but I can taste it. Like, I taste, I can, I can taste, like, if you give me something with ketchup, my taste is very, I don't know what it is, but I can, I can, I do have, like, a good sense of, of taste on things, so... Good or just a very specific, like you can taste uh, corn syrup and other weird things. And well, I'll give you an example. Okay. So like when I was over in Ireland, you know, I had the Guinness and like that did, it did taste different to me. Mm-hmm. And then when I was here in New York city, I went to this Irish pub and I was having this beer and I said, this tastes like it was from Ireland. And then we were talking to the bartender and she's like, oh yeah, we brew that in Ireland. This is our special thing. So I was able to taste that like 
specific. I feel like this is voluntary response bias and everything you've been wrong about. You just shuttle those away and don't talk about them. Like, oh, this this tastes like it's from Ireland. They're like, no, it's from down the street. And then you just don't ever talk about that again. No, I mean, it, it, it had that metallic. It just had, there's this like, there's this taste that Guinness has that like, there's a specific like taste. I've been to Ireland. I've had the Guinness there. I'm like 94% Irish. But like, this wasn't a Guinness, you know, like this was like, this was something else. It's just that water. It's like a specific taste to it. And I can yeah. pick it up. And there's just other stuff. Like people are like, guess what's in this soup? And then I do. But it's only stuff, you know, because I feel like you and food and memory are like severely intertwined. Yeah, that sounds right. Because then you'd remember Ireland and what it was like. And that's probably what you're, you're not like tasting Irishness, but you're tasting the memory. Well, I'm tasting the Guinness. The, the Guinness has such a specific flavor there. Mm-hmm. The water, I think. I mean, I don't know. They say, you know, it has the peat in it, but there's just this like specific, uh, like I can kind of taste it in my mouth now. <laughs> Whoa. What kind of superhero powers do you have? You can I don't know. I think, I think they call it synesthesia. Like, I mean, sometimes my thoughts have tasted them. So ah, like, do. I just have a, a strange sense of taste. Like you ever have a spicy thought, you know, like and it tastes on your tongue, like spicy. Does it have to be on brand for what spicy thought would be? Could it be any kind of thought that... <laughs> No, like it doesn't have to be food. Like it, it's the, the the sensation of the thought. Or sexy, I was thinking, but or it just could be about. It could be anything. NASCAR, and then you, it's a spicy thought, and you get taste the spice. Yeah, yeah, and like a knowledge, like a thought. Like if I read a book for a while, it, it'll taste like I have scrambled eggs in my mouth. Like this ingestion of knowledge has this like very specific taste. Uh, no, see, mine's more smells probably because like when I go to the Boston subway at the T, I'm in Resident Evil because I used to read the Resident Evil books when I was on my way to work. And so like I think zombies and stuff like instantly when I smell like the tea, yeah. uh, the underground stuff. Yeah, let's do it. But can before we get off hot dogs, can you show can you show your tattoo and explain all the condiments on it? Oh, absolutely. I just want to get a good rundown of what's what do we got here. Okay, so so I there's no ketchup. I imagine if there's ketchup on it, I'm going to be very confused. Okay, no, nope, no ketchup. So this is technically that I took some artistic license with this one because um, the mustard really should go on the hot dog and not on the bun, like on top of the condiments. So basically, uh, the the standard typical Chicago style hot dog starts with a poppy seed bun. So we have a poppy seed bun. Mm-hmm. Um, next, it's not just an all beef hot dog. There's really two preparations of hot dogs, right? Um, the modern preparation is to uh, do it in, um, to do a vegetable casing. And then what happens is the vegetable casing gets blown off and then we eat it. And then it's like kind of got this mushy bite. So that's why when you look at a regular standard hot dog, there's a seam running down it because in the factory, a thing kind of cuts it and then blows the, the casing off, right? So that's your standard one. That's not a Chicago hot dog, okay? So Chicago hot dog requires a sheep casing. Okay. Um, so it has a bite when you bite in. So they call that the natural. Like the condom method, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> so they call that the natural casing. Um, and then on top of that, uh, you add the neon relish, like that special very green relish, onions, chopped onions, tomatoes, sport peppers. I don't remember what kind of pepper a sport pepper is, but it's like, you know, it's a cured pepper. It's inside like a inside a jar and then um one long pickle you would add mustard too i think i would put mustard on first uh but i'm just going in the order of all of this and then on top of that you add celery salt mm. and that's your uh that's your standard one they call it dragging it through the garden um dragging it through the garden yep and that might be the name of the episode yes and i'm just going to say this definitively because i don't want to argue about this okay a hot dog is in fact a sandwich all right and the book, A Global History and Hot Dog of Hot Dogs, 
uh, written by a food historian does confirm this. So that is my source on that. Confirm? That's yeah. Tough. I mean, that's, he calls it he calls it a sandwich. What's a taco? Because some people have said it's a taco, but I don't know if that's a subset of sandwich. It's definitely not a taco. Like, I don't know what, how it could be a taco. <laughs> I mean, you could make a taco hot dog. It looks kind of like a taco. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would probably consider a taco a sandwich as well. But, uh, you know, I'm not here to, I can't, I don't know as much about tacos, so I can't argue that one as well okay. as I can on hot dogs. So I love that you had a disclaimer for your tattoo because it's not a uh, the right order of condiments or whatever. Right. And so, like, you start out your tattoo story probably every time by telling people that this isn't the right. That you, yes, that's, that's exactly how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, every time. Yep, yeah, you are right. You just didn't take that license. You could have just that this is the normal way it's done. It's like you uh, knew. <laughs> and then uh, what do you think about putting condiments underneath the dog? And then the dog on top of that, because I like it to like stick it to the button almost. I mean, look, do it however you want. It's your hot dog, you know, like if you want to put ketchup on a hot dog, like, listen, if I go serve hot dogs, I'll bring ketchup because I want people to have a good time. So like, oh, shit, man, you, you know, like giver. my view is like, also, I'll make a sloppy hot dog, you know, like I'll mm. and also I also experiment a lot. But you'll pay big ketchup. No, I will not. I will not. And you will support them you'll pay big ketchup you'll support them but by bringing it to the thing i mean listen Heinz. unless you stole it <laughs> they make good they could make good mustard like i'll support their ketchup like yeah. i think they're big ketchup if anyone is heinz would be right yeah they they're they're definitely big big ketchup um some people do the side thing you know like you take you put the hot yeah. dog down and then you blast it on the side so that's not like you know that's not regulation but you know <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a house rules will allow it okay um and yeah you like the word blast, it sounds like <laughs> it was good. I mean, it's just come up a lot recently. Um, in the last 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Thanks, by the way, for the shirt. I don't know. If, uh, I don't know. I guess I randomly won it in a, in a comment. Oh, yeah. It seemed too uh, serendipitous to be random, but I'm going to believe it. Because why would you? You seem to be the kind of guy who would follow the rules on that. <laughs> no, I really picked it at random. I did not. I really like. No. You know, I, I think I went like this. I closed my eyes and then I stopped. No, I don't know what I did. I, oh my god, you didn't use like an Excel sheet with random I think numbers. I, I think what happened was there were not a lot of comments, so I just asked someone to pick a number at random and then I counted them and then that was like. That's good. How I did it. Well, I'm glad I got it because it's awesome. I was trying to find it to where I could only find this freak in the sheets. Well, let's uh, well, let's do what? Let's um, uh, let's tell uh the folks here if you want to find, if you want to find it at Jordan Goldmeyer, go to my uh Instagram and you can actually, if you want to buy a T-shirt, I should say. Well, um, well, let's explain what they're saying though, because we haven't even said what they are. Oh yeah, well we have one. We have one that says copy. <laughs> I mean, they can't probably see you. Most of them, most people okay. listening can't can't see you. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay, so there's three there's three shirts that um I made. One says it's like. If you've seen these uh, shirts before, they're—I don't know what you would call this—but it like it's like you know you I I'm showing you obviously you can see it, it has Helvetica with like yeah the, the Helvetica with the hand text you know people they're just it's like a thing the ampersand yeah with the ampersand so and no space uh, between the ampersand and the word which yep I I'm on the fence of whether it bothers me or not that's like the style I don't know who initially invented yeah. it but that's why it's okay to me I I give it a you know a pass for that but otherwise. If I hadn't seen them, I would be like, okay, just because I feel like, you know, do you use concatenated or do you use ampersand? Me? Yeah. Uh, I use ampersand. Okay, cool. Who uses concatenate? Why would you write that? The uninformed masses use it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, people just think it's it's the thing that's still around. But okay, so there's three t-shirts. So yours says copy and paste, yeah, copy and paste values. You, you, I'm going to shut the hell up. You go, go. 
copy and paste values. The other one says merge and center, which is obviously the most controversial one. And then the other one, which is my favorite, says cells and charts and pivots. The best seller is the copy and paste values, the one I'm wearing. The mm-hmm. worst seller is merge and center. And like I said, my favorite is not, doesn't sell that much. Well, I won your favorite, right? Yeah. Yes. Which is the charts and yep. pivots and what was it? Cells and charts and pivot tables. Yes. And then I got recently the pivot shirt, which had the Ross from friends and just said pivot above it because <laughs> from that episode, they're like pivot when they're trying to move the couch. What about like, <laughs> I do remember that episode. Yeah. Uh, what about the, the shirt you're wearing? Freaking the sheets. Like, yeah. So this was not meant to be Excel related, but I thought it could be, especially when I was scrambling to find something to wear for this thing. But it's, uh, I guess it's like a, a ghost. Yeah. Guy with a ghost outfit. So he's got a, uh, a sheet on him. Like he's a ghost. His booty's hanging out. So it's kind of like a tongue in cheek. Yeah. I got it. Thing where I think it's semi sexual, semi intellectual. That's a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you think. And it makes what do they think. call that? It's an innuendo. Yeah. What you're, you're getting. It at. might be two entendres instead of one. I'm not. Yeah. Really right. Sure. It's seven. It's seven entendres. What is a single entendre? Is that just a meaning? One meaning to a word? Is that a. Yeah, I guess so. I think that's just a regular word. <laughs> it's, a regular right? it's just well, a mean, there's no double meaning. Right. So it's just a regular meaning. Or the two meanings are not like uh, related in a, in a whimsical. They're not entendering. <laughs> yeah. Entendering each other. Um, so for failures, because okay, we haven't gotten there yet. You've got a few mm-hmm. in your bag. Is there any that stick out to you as being uh the most <sighs> either either interesting for the listener or impactful to your life or whatever the criteria would be for why you want to talk about something? I mean, sure. Like, you know, it's like hard to just pick one because I think that so much of the entrepreneurial journey is defined by failure. I mean, it's just like it's so inseparable that. Uh, I think a lot of people who are starting out, I, I'll say this because if you're if you're listening and you're thinking about failure and you're thinking like, well, I'm afraid to do this next thing because what if I fail at it? I just want you to know, like, not only are you going to fail at it, it's going to be so much worse than you expect. The problem that people have is with their assumptions of failure is the failure in this case of imagination, right? They can't imagine how badly they're going to fail. And so the thing that they're afraid of, like what I want to say is like, you need to think way bigger and way worse because be more afraid. Yeah. Cause it's not even close. Like what you're afraid of is not even close to the bullshit that you're going to have like to deal with mentally and physically and emotionally. And just like things, just to give an example. Okay. So um, my very, very first business, I didn't tell you about this in our pre-show, but like mm-hmm. our very, and I, I'm happy to talk about this because we're, I'm still friends like me and my bros. <laughs> right. Like my bros from high school that we've yep. known each other forever. We started this, uh, first we started this um, uh, company called Rent Reminder to remind people to pay rent, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's like reminding college students because I wasn't, I was just starting college, but I um, was not like in a, like my parents were helping me out. And so like, I wasn't, yeah, I mean, I was too stupid. I wasn't paying my rent in the way that like, yeah, I feel like I was paying them. I could have used it even though it's as dumb as remembering the months changed. Like, that's all you need to know. Is it a new month? Yeah, right. Like, I mean, now that I'm like an adult, like it's due the first of the month. Like, what do you need an app for? Uh, yeah, like, every time you need to know it's a new month, then, then just think of that. So we realized that that was not going to work. And so then we pivoted to this idea called college props. And it was this idea that you could list your, like, your apartments online in, like, these different college properties. And it was geared towards the college market. 
and we had paid this person. We were like, was like, we had this idea for a website. And so we, we got all our money together and we went to this guy and he was like, it'll be $30,000. And we're like, what? And then he's like, it'll be 5,000. So we cobbled our money together and we, we, we spent it on this and he never did any work. Okay. Like, so he put in just a little bit of work yeah. and then for months and months we waited and then it became a year and there, it was like nothing. So we took so him to small claims. A lot so of well, time. yeah, we lost the money. I mean, we took him to small claims court. He never showed up. The judgment was against him. And then like to get all this work done, to get the judgment, to get your money back. It was just like, well, I guess we failed at that. So it's, it's not even that too. The money you could have been working on that the whole time, but you were just waiting on him to, to give it to you. Right. Well, we, I didn't know. I mean, I was so, I was still in college. I was in accounting classes. Someone could have been working on it, you know? Yeah. I was like, I was still not like, I didn't really understand a lot of stuff then. So look, you know, that didn't work out. Um, then I became an auditor for the Air Force, but I was really bad at auditing. So I didn't get. Hey, so wait, you started in accounting? I started in accounting. Yeah. Well, my undergrad. And you went into auditing because I, I started in accounting with my degree well, and I went to KPMG to start. <laughs> I went to EY, not to start. That was It was PwC or KPMG. They both. One of them, right? You, I didn't take me, I think. Um, well, okay. So I should say that, like, I've been coding since I was like 10. So, like, I've been coding forever. But then um, when, when it came time to go to college, it was right after Y2K. And, you know, like, there was a lot of these, um, a lot of these jobs were heading overseas. And there was just this major monumental shift, like, in the technical programming world, um, just in terms of where it was happening. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, my dad really wanted to be, well, he was an accountant for a little bit, but he wanted me to become an accountant. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Um, so I did the accounting degree and I got, a, uh, I also, I double majored, majored in accounting and finance and I minored in computer science. So I failed, speaking of failure, I failed four classes. Um, no, wait, five classes. Because hmm. it just depends on how you look at it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I failed tax too, but I never retook it because I don't even know why I took it in the first place. Like that was an idiotic thing. Like I didn't need to do it. So I could have just taken an elective. So that was my own fault. Um, and then I failed linear algebra three times. Also discrete. So you're saying if you fail it multiple times, you're going to try to not count that as uh, more than one. Is that your, what your little move was? I think I actually prevented the failure of it twice by leaving before my grades counted. So then I think I'm, I'm counting something else, maybe discrete. I think I failed, technically failed linear algebra twice. Okay. But I took it four times. Um, and then I just, I failed discrete mathematics once. Um, although I love to discrete mathematics. I don't know how I failed it. I thought it was a great class. Sometimes the teacher just sucks, honestly, or you're not paying attention that much. You know, I just, I don't learn semester. math. I just don't learn math that well. I mean, I don't know what to say. Like I can like, I can learn it on my own and it's a lot of failure. It's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of, but once it clicks, it clicks, but like, it takes me a lot longer than a, a 10 week semester or, you know, the quarters back then, but it takes me a lot longer than this compressed timeline that they give me. And so like, you know, I took the GMAT, I got a 28th percentile on the math, which is hilariously bad, but like here I am doing OR and machine mm -hmm. learning. Like I can, if you give me code, I can do it because I can, I understand how to do it. Like, I remember I, I like used my calculator to solve all these problems in algebra in high school. And then they took the calculator away from me because they're like, that's not right. You shouldn't be doing that. And then I start getting C's again, but I don't understand the difference to me. It's like, I can't do the hand compute, but I can do the computer compute. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Um, you know, I think that now we're actually seeing that this type of knowledge is actually valuable, but 
I have on various occasions in my life attempted to try to remedy this by taking classes from Udemy. I took a GMAT class on Udemy on math and I took it and I just had to accept in my heart that like, I don't care how to factor a third degree polynomial. Okay. Uh, like I don't care. And I'm never going to memorize it because it's not that interesting to me. And I get like, some people are good. Like there's different ways to factor it, but I'm like kind of beyond that. And it bothers me now if I want to go to grad school, I got to go like relearn that stuff and maybe just memorize it. Like I could probably do some hardcore memorization and bring that score up. But just when it comes to math, specifically testing on math, I do poorly. But on the other hand, when it comes to like, here's a complicated math thing, I need you to turn into a program. Mm -hmm. Piece of cake. Like, I don't, it's just different, you know, because you can run it and you can fail. Just keep yeah, on, well, game, you know. But if you have an idea of what things are supposed to come out like, I mean, you can trust the computer in certain senses. You don't have to yeah. be doing the math. You just have to be setting up the computer to succeed at the math. Yeah. And it's like, you know, a, a math problem is like solve this problem, but the computer problem is, is engineering. So you, you can reverse engineer it. You can forward engineer it. Like there's a lot of different ways to attack it. And you can run them all at once and you can figure out what works and put the pieces together and you can ask for help and, you know, you can have people review it and you just like, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's an irony in that because I'm in such a heavily like mathematical field. Meanwhile, when it comes to writing, like I always score very well on the writing. So this is funny because I'm really good at math. I can't, I checked it like Calc 2 maybe, but Calc 1 is yeah. a bit of a stretch for me. I love Calc 1. In terms of like caring, yeah. I, I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm like, where'd the math go? Now we're in shapes and stuff. Like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> like, we left math land. We're like in art land. So I thought, well, either way, I was really good at math. I'm terrible at, at reading. I can't read for the life of me. I need audiobooks. I, I, I literally can't read it. Part of it's ADHD, but it's also like I'll get to the end of a page and I'll read it. I'll read every word and I will have learned nothing because I was thinking about something else the whole time and I looked at every word, you know, I just didn't understand anything. So I think it's a comprehension thing, but I, for a long time, like you with the shame of the math thing, I was like, what's wrong with, I'm a smart guy. I should know how to read a book. I should be able to read a page of a book. I can read stuff on the internet and like I can read Reddit comments all day, but when it's like in a book form, I just, you know, something about it doesn't work, but then audiobooks came along and I'm like the author's reading it to you. Have you done audiobooks of your things or no? Yeah. I, I mean, I've never, I've never recorded an audiobook, but I've listened to an audiobook. Have you, I'm saying your books, you're on your fourth book. Oh, uh, I don't, they're not very audiobookable. I mean, maybe they are, but if they, uh, I thought so. Yeah. If, if like, well, for the first two are Excel. So I don't really yeah. know. I mean, in a sense, my online courses are the audiobook version of that. Like if you want to take my online course, advancedexcel.com, just plug that right there advancedexcel.com yeah advanced xl so xl not excel advanced with a d at the end yep advanced duh. and then no e x nope and then xl right you can imagine advanced capital x capital l look in the show notes everybody what say that again look in the show notes yep i'm gonna have a link to it because also one of the rules i've i've learned over buying domains many many times is don't buy a domain if you have to spell it to everybody you talk to don't make a tattoo if you have to do a disclaimer every time you talk about it <laughs> like don't put things in your way that you're gonna have to deal with every time right i agree with that so but like i'm not I thought, on your site i'm saying like more like I, every time i do it i try to improve spellability and like memorability even if it's longer i'll so i'll sacrifice i'll go longer i mean i don't i don't know like my view on it was like i just want to get these courses out and i'm sick of like coming up with these like artistic brand names, I thought 
I'm just going to name this exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. So obviously advanced Excel was taken. I don't want to put dashes in there. So I was kind of thinking along what you were thinking. And I thought, you know, people use Excel, like Layla is Excel is Excel plus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. So I thought, you know, <laughs> that's it. I don't know. I don't want to overthink it. I didn't overthink it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. <laughs> the main, the main thing I remember I had Wi-Fi password.com, but it was wife. I like wife as in husband and wife. <laughs> I password.com and the idea was that's complicated though i know this is what i'm saying this is when i learned it so i was like the idea was uh the husband isn't doing the dishes or whatever and he wants to play video games and she has the wi-fi password on lockdown and he has to go wife i did the dishes or whatever can i have the password so wi-fi password.com why does he gotta ask her like i don't know and then she unlocks it she's she clicks him in an app says he did the dishes and then he gets the password to mount she doesn't want to be a task they they have a why don't they have just like a, a communication it never was a site that actually worked <laughs> none, none of it happened i don't even i didn't have a wife or, a, or, a, or a, like a use case i didn't have anybody who wanted it but every time i told this fictional website people, i had to spell it and i was just so annoyed that i had put that in front of my own self that i was like okay i'm gonna do less of that but i still do it sometimes you know it's not like i'm above it. i mean for the listeners like this is good advice so like if you do buy a website like especially now that there are um, the like generalized top level domains are a lot more popular. So you can get dot app and stuff like that. So just like the more you can spend, the less you can spend on explaining people how to spell stuff, the better. Cause like, it just makes it easier for them to get. And they, it is annoying when you tell stuff to people and then they like raise their eyebrows. They're like, wait, what? It's so hard to get anybody to do anything. You really want to lubricate the entry. As yeah, much exactly. As friction, make it frictionless. So we get advanced Excel. Uh-huh. That's where you're training stuff. Oh, I was saying we should come up with, we were talking about pre-show in the green room about mm -hmm. uh, maybe writing a book together. Who the hell knows if we're really going to do it, but we should do write an audiobook. We should write the Excel audiobook. Somehow there might be a way to do that. I don't think it's a market for that. I'm not going to lie. Listen, I've already written like a joke book and like, there's no market for that. Like I went to Bill, I went to Bill Jellin. Let's not do an Excel one then. Let's do something else. Well, Bill Jellin. Yeah. So, you know, Mr. Excel. So I yep. went to him with my, I was like, let's do a calendar. He was in a security breach. Have I been pwned.com or whatever, which is like, has your password been uh, in a breach, like a security breach, a hack thing? Mr. Excel's on there and he shows up every time I look to see all the things with Canva and all sorts of oh, okay. companies have had bre uh, breaches, but apparently because his forum or whatever I was on, I don't know. They had something oh. thing where the passwords got leaked. No offense, Bill. I don't even know I'm going to leave it in or I'll cut it out. But, uh, <laughs> you did get hacked uh, it's just a fact <laughs> no, i would love for him to be here you probably have something very funny to say about all that but and it uh i've asked him like what is it, you think it's an excel because he uh he always says to me oh i'll print anything I'm like anything i'm like well what about an excel joke joke book do you think that will sell he's like no not really where he would sell maybe three of them so i think joke books are the way of the dodo i mean it was like a bathroom reading kind of thing at most now people are on their phones there are already like such a hard vertical to even do anyway. Like if you think about like, if you just go to a regular bookstore, I mean, they don't have a lot of stationery. They don't have like, they have very specific stuff that they know, like same thing with calendars, same thing with day planners. Like they have their like group that they know that they can push because of branding and because of nice placement near the register, because they run deals and they're good presence. But like, you know, and they have those mini dummies books, like, Ideally, an Excel joke book would sit in there, but <laughs> I don't think it's like it just doesn't have a market. Joke books, very, very small niche market. Excel, same, same deal. And then you combine those two and you're like, who is this person? Yeah, right. 
that's buying it, but I know it's maybe seven people in the globe. I should have bought it. I would, I'm the target market. So I should have bought your book and I just didn't hear about it. So that's the other thing too, is the people who you need to reach, who knows if they're going to find it because they're probably too weird. For sure. For sure. Well, uh, when is I'll write any book? It doesn't matter what it is. I haven't, I'm, I'm good at writing. I'm also writing a book right now, which by the way, I'm just talking it in my phone and it's going to be dictated into the okay. AI transcription, all that jazz. Cause I got to get around my own issues, but I'm using, we're both using computers uh-huh. to get past our shortcomings with either math or verbal uh, skills. Mm-hmm. And I think the AI transcription stuff is really cool. Cause I can just, you know, bust out two hours of writing basically you know improv jazzing my way through a book and then i could just clean it later and make it better whereas when i tried to sit down and intentionally write it was uh it was a lot harder i mean i will say that like you know i've always written like i've always been a writer but um intentionally writing is is a skill i've had to develop i mean like again on this failure conversation so like look the first book i wrote was supposed to take nine months and it took three and a half years and you know, the publisher almost pulled it multiple times. I mean, there was one moment they're like, we're done. I'm like, no. And I started like sending it chapters, you know? <laughs> no, I'll write it now. I'll write it now. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, since then, like this is the most important thing about failure for me is that like, you know, it used to be when I was younger, if I failed at something and I'd have deep anxiety, I'd be like, well, it will always happen this way or it'll only be worse next time. Mm-hmm. But what I've come to learn is to trust my own brain because it never is as bad and you always get better. And so like what it's really become is like, it's like, you know, you defeat the final boss in a video game. It's hard. Second time you do it, it's 80% easier. Third time you do it, it's like, not only is it easier, you discover other things to make it faster. By the time, like you keep doing it, it's almost like rote. So, um, you know, it took me years to be good, uh, to be comfortable with my writing. Now I truly don't give a shit because like my view is, you know, I have a team of editors. I have two technical editors and then I have developmental editor or copy editor. And then there you have multiple proofers. So if errors get through, like people do come up to me, they're like, you know, there's an error on this page. I'm just like, send it to the publisher. Like, I don't, I, I was like, I was, I was step one on the, yeah. on the chain, but like, got your money too, buddy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I'm always just like second edition. Yeah. We'll fix it. Like, I don't, I don't care. Oh, yeah. Who cares? Through 12 people pass through 10 edits for me. Like, I don't care. Um, my, but my thing here is now I can crank out chapters. Like it's nothing. Um, but, but the ones I send in like to be edited or to the technical editors are filled with errors because my mm-hmm. view is there are, there are um, editors who are going to look at it later. I'm going to reread it later. I don't have to be perfect on this point. I just need to make sure that the structure in the like content is good, but that means, you know, I'll have extra words in there, double B's every, I'll have a few trailing thoughts. I'll have misspellings. Like, I, I don't care. Uh, it's not a judgment of my intelligence. Or if you do want to judge my intelligence from it, that's fine. I mean, it's not the final product. Like, right, So are you the kind of guy that throws uh, like trash on the floor at an office because so the janitor has a job? Kind Hell of thing? no, I would never do that. That's disrespectful to the janitor. I'll always, I, I like, if I go to Airbnb, I clean it up like it's my own place. But like. So you don't uh, do that as you're giving them editing tasks that are unnecessary. It's more like getting out of your own way. So you don't have to worry about that stuff. It's just more like I have a job to do and my job is not to edit. My job is to write. So I write and Mm -hmm. I just need to, I, I do like, you know, I read it before I send it in, but I'm not perfect. I could, if, if it was like my own stuff, like if this was going out to the internet, what would I do? I would have to wait a day so that I would get that out of my brain. So that when I read it, I could see the errors and then I have to send it to people. I don't feel like doing that if it's done, like, I'm just going to send it. 
The technical editor is annoyed. They can fix it, but the developmental editor is going to fix it. He has no problems with my writing. He says it's really good. So when you started out, you were doing the longer version, right? When I started out, I was just like, when you say longer version. So like you had to do it all yourself because they maybe had some editors, but you would be mainly trying to give them a final product. Yeah, I was in my head. Like I would be like, this is what it needs to be. It wasn't until I felt the squeeze of like, we're going to pull the book away on that first book that I really start realizing how to crank out chapters. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I needed that. Sadly, I needed that pressure. But now that I have it like inside of me, it's not it's just a matter of sitting sitting down and writing. Um, you know, it's just very hard when you build something because you're always in your head, well, it needs to be this way or what's the right word to use. Now I just kind of feel like as it comes out of me, that's how it was meant to be. And that's mm-hmm. how it's going to go out. That's how it'll be published. You know, someone can read it. I mean, it's not like the developmental editor doesn't ever read stuff and say, you know, this paragraph, I don't know if you need it here. Maybe it goes better up here. And usually I'm just like, yeah, fine. You know, I don't care. Like I have no ego about yeah, stuff is laid out. I mean, I might disagree. It's up to me in the end. Like it's I have final say. So, you know, it's just like it's a lot easier now because I don't take it personally. And I also don't expect my work to be perfection. You know, well, I think that's what happens. So I feel like I exclusively learn from failure. I can't really learn any other way. It seems like I can only learn by doing stuff, messing up and then learn like I can't learn from other people's mistakes. Even I I have to mess everything up myself in order to really truly yeah. take it in. But also, I think. um just that mindset of being able to do to get past to do something so much that then you don't care about it anymore it has no more fangs to bite mm-hmm. you like with podcasting now i'm getting to the point where i'm going to stop starting doing the editing myself because i'm like a perfectionist with the editing but i'm going to eventually stop caring and you know I'm, I'm getting to the point where i'm like trying to get past it i think we probably are there with teaching excel and stuff because i could just go teach anything about Excel. I get on things all the time. I don't even know what I'm going to talk about with it because because we've talked about so many things related to it, I imagine. And just basically, I think by doing something into an obsessive amount, and I think there's a, a type of person, which we both seem to be, who likes to get obsessed with things. I've played over 16,000 matches in Rocket League. <laughs> Each one's eight, eight minutes long, so it's not a good use of my life, but yeah, I've enjoyed the usage of it. My, my point being, like, I can get weirdly into a lot of things. I did a I go deep into Bob Ross and did all sorts of paint, uh, oil paintings and stuff. Like I like, I like getting into something, knowing I can do it, and then, and I'm done. That's why the Monopoly thing I did was done before I even finished it because it's like once I know I can be a painter, I'm like, what am I gonna be a painter? No. So, the next thing, you know. I hear you. No, I, I definitely get that. Like you know, and there's plenty of things that I've been like that with. Um, I, I would say like you know, like I've cooked a lot in my life. Like I made my own pastrami. You know, like from like grinding it to, to, uh, smoking it like to other things like that. You know, I know how to do it now because I wanted to do it because I grew up eating it. You know, I've done that with tongue too, because Jewish people eat a lot of cow tongue is uh-huh. like, you know, a deli, a deli slice thing. So I did that. I wanted to learn how to prepare it. Um, and then, you know, I've done other things. I became an EMT because I wanted to know how to do that. And then I was, I did that for, for a while as a volunteer until I um, messed up my back. But now that like, then I messed up my back and then I'm like, well, now I want to learn how to become good at like Pilates because that's a skill I can carry my whole life. And I saw um, other people who became good. So I'm working on that now. Um, you know, now I'm becoming a digital nomad. Like, you know, I did the Excel thing. Like we were talking about, I don't know if I'm going to be doing Excel forever because in many ways I feel like I did it in the universe of, in my universe of like wanting things to do, 
is bigger than Excel. You know, Excel is actually a lot smaller than yeah. I think I, I realized when I first started. Just like I said, when I'm going to be a painter, you're like, what am I going to do? Excel forever? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like it's like a program made by one company. It seems like it's too. It's small. Strictly defined. Yeah, it's very strictly defined. I do think that there are ways in which it's changing, which make it very interesting right now. But we're still like, in some ways, we're still five years away from like really realizing the power of what the internet can do and like JavaScript and Python can do with Excel mm-hmm. as VBA goes away. And also just like, what what does that all mean data-wise? You know, is there going to be a blockchain element coming in here at some point? I don't know. Like those are some, like blockchain is very interesting to me um, in particular as something new, but like ultimately I, I'm with you. It's like, I came here, I, I conquered. What is it? I came, I saw, I conquered. You know, mm-hmm. what's what's next? And so that was my view, like here in New York City, been here for six years. <laughs> I did that. I, I stayed here through the pandemic. I was an EMT during the pandemic. And I've, wow. just, I, I've like yeah. I did it. And now I'm ready for I, I wanted to live in a big city. But now I'm ready to move to another big city because now I'm realizing I want more big cities in my life. I don't want to just be like confined to one mm-hmm. and maybe I'll come back. But. So I haven't said it on the podcast, but I want to be a digital nomad. I was in Denver for a long yeah. time. That's probably where we talked. Yeah. I remember being in the basement of that place when I called you. And then, so I was there for eight years. I grew up in Salem, Mass, and now I'm in Kansas, but I want to go to, and I haven't said this to anybody publicly, Bulgaria is where I'm going to go. That'd be cool. Was never on my radar, even close. Same with Kansas City, which is where I'm at now. It wouldn't have been on top hundred cities list if I picked uh hundred probably because <laughs> I just wouldn't have thought of it. So in Bulgaria probably wouldn't have been on my top, whatever countries list, because I just didn't, it wasn't something that um, stuck out to me. Now I know a few people from there and just, I like, I'm going more with the randomness of the universe and where it takes me kind of thing. And I'm kind of more drawn towards a thing that I wouldn't have chosen than one that I would have, because I suck at choosing things. It seems like sometimes. So if I just kind of go with, wherever it takes me. So what, what brought you to Por- Portugal as an option or what, what made you decide? Um, well, you know, there's a lot, like I know some people there who are entrepreneurs. And I think that what really brought me there is that, you know, I, I don't know, this is not necessarily a critique of New York. I mean, this is really more a critique of me. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like I, I like don't have a community here. Like I did at one point and then the pandemic happened and people's lives changed. Now we're rebuilding, but things are yeah. so different. Um, and, you know, I did have my EMT community before I hurt my back and they're cool. I'm still, I'm still friends with them. Um, don't see them a whole lot anymore, but I don't really have an entrepreneurial community. So there's something in my heart that I feel like I'm missing. I feel kind of lonely, like a lot, especially here in one of the most popular cities in the world. It feels weird to feel lonely in that way. So I'm like, I'll, Sorry, I think I was, I'm from Boston. Both those cities, East Coast cities, cold. Everyone's like head down in their own world. Yeah, it's very hard to make stranger friends. Like meet strangers, they don't want yeah. to talk to you like ever. And so when I when I went to the Midwest, I was like, oh shoot, people are talking to me. This this is interesting, weird. I know, right? Like when I went, I visited Ohio a few months ago. Like from where I'm from in Ohio, it was just like everyone was just so nice and just like, hey, how are you? And, um, and then like when I was in San Jose a few weeks or like, that was not a few, that was like last week, huh. yep. uh, people were talking to me. It was so easy to make friends. Like I did like the vibe in California, mm-hmm. um, a lot. And like, yeah. you know, it's not like I didn't have friends in New York when I worked for, um, a company here, I had my co coworkers and I, they're still good friends, but it's just, it's just, things are so transient here. People come in and out, they leave, they come back. 
Um, you know, it's just also very transactional sometimes. And mm -hmm. what I'm really missing though, fundamentally, is I go to these networking events and it's like entrepreneurial networking event. I see someone there. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I work at e EY and tax. I'm like, that's not, a, you're not an entrepreneur. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm with farmers insurance. <laughs> yeah. Right. Someone says, or like, you know, with respect to the folks who work for Edward Jones, you love coaching things. I'm like, I just shout on farmers. I'm not even going to say, Oh, it's a perfect thing to do. I have friends who do it and okay. fine. I'll do it. Uh, there's nothing yeah. wrong with your own book of business, whatever the thing is, but, but, you know, it's a different, it's like saying I sell Mary Kay and I'm an entrepreneur. It's like, no, yeah. you're a salesperson. You're right. Like, I don't know, like someone who works, who's someone. So yeah. So someone comes in and is like, I'm a financial advisor for Edward Jones. Okay. Like there's an entrepreneurial aspect to that. Mm -hmm. Like a franchise. But it's not really what I'm looking for. And the same thing, like being a real estate agent, like I get it. It is gig based. It is commission based. You do have to hustle. There are real estate entrepreneurs who actually do sell a lot and then they build up like those people who are running a franchise are the people I want to like be hanging out with. And so I, and I'm cool hanging out with people who have that aspiration, but a lot of people at that point who I meet are really just dipping their toes in. And so like with respect, I know this is a derogatory term, but they're entrepreneurs in the sense that like oh, I love they the want term. it, but they don't really, they're not really there yet. And, and, you know, to be fair, like you don't have to be successful. You can still be a failure. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, that's me, that's fine. But I've talked to people who spent the next 10 years of their life in that phase. So you must move beyond that phase. And it does get annoying when this, if you are one of those people, just letting you know, if you meet someone like me, all right, if I've been doing this for several years and you're giving me advice, that's like very level zero, it gets annoying after a while when you're like, well, have you tried Fiverr? It's like, no. Well, why haven't you tried that? Because I'm making way more money without Fiverr. Like, why would I need Fiverr? Well, I heard it's really good. Okay, well, maybe you should try it. Like, maybe you should give it a shot. Well, you just said that you don't use it. I'm like, because I've been doing this for years. Like, it's just like, I have the same conversations over and over again. People say, how do you write a book? I have a whole video I put up on how to write a book. And I do love talking about it. But I find that a lot of people will ask that. And then they don't sit down and write. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, I tell them how to do it. And like, you have to, um, you know, you do have to like be making progress. In any case, I think there are people out there who are traveling the world who I want to be more like, who I'm going to be their like annoying level zero. And I think that's where I want to be. Yeah. You know, like I want to, I want to aspire to something to where people like are already running their businesses so that I can understand the challenges that they're, I mean, I understand it, but like, we can really like work together on stuff. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's great. And I do want to learn how to write a book from you. So feel free to link me then. I can put it in the show notes too. This started as a book. And then I was like, I don't know enough about failure. So I was starting to, I figured I'd interview people and then I'd get more stuff that I could put into the book. I don't know if I can use absolutely everything from this in a book. I don't know the legal, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Cause it's my pot. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. I didn't sign anything coming on here. So what does that mean? I have no idea, but like, look, you could go on. I mean, you're implicitly uh, by being a guest on it and it says it's recording. I don't know what the law is. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. I'm not going to even look it up. <laughs> I don't want to be restricted. You just got to find a lawyer. I mean, you just just like go on Upwork and get a lawyer. Yeah. But if someone's on your show and then you just use the content, I mean, I don't, I would imagine I have the content of my own show. I have no idea. I don't know. I couldn't say. I don't know. Like, I would assume you're correct, but like. I, yeah, I don't think you know, but I'm just going to say. I, I don't know. I just have no idea, honestly. Like, I, I don't want to say yes and give people legal advice because no one. All right. Neither of us are licensed in anything. Anything? I'm not in this. <laughs> what well, do you have a license? 
driver's license I've got. What do you think? What, I, I was an EMT. You were an EMT. So he's not even giving EMT advice, even if he happens to stumble upon something. I mean, my certification expired. Technically, it's not a licensure. So I guess so we're an unlicensed just Joe's talking about who knows what. So I, I love what you're saying about the the community stuff and, and having people who are either ahead of you doing the things you want to do or people who are just more into camaraderie and less about competition yeah. or, or transactional nature of, of a friendship. Yeah. And they get it too. Cause like, I do have a lot of business friends and you know, um, they're people, sometimes they pay me, I pay them. We have a very like friend friendship and business relationship and we know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, not, not everyone knows how to do that. And so like, I'm looking for people who can kind of, who, who understand that, but really, like you said, understand community and like ostensibly this, this type of person is here in New York. I just, I've really struggled to find them on top of the fact that it's just so, mad expensive here and it's gotten just so much worse after the pandemic that I'm just, yeah. I'm like, I've done it. I'm ready to go. No offense. Being a white Jewish guy in New York, not a big surprise. Well, in Portugal, <laughs> you are a rarity. I imagine. I don't know. I mean, I'm European. Like I am from European descent. I don't know. I don't know. They don't uh, give a shit in Portugal, whether you say you're from European, they're like, Oh, the American and he's Jewish and he's whatever. You're going to get all sorts of cred just by being a foreigner. Yeah, I do think I'll get cred for being a foreigner. That's what I'm looking forward to. If I don't get cred for being a foreigner, I'm going to be pissed. No, I, I do think I'll, I'll get cred for being a foreigner. And it is true that, like, you know, as a, a white Jewish guy in New York City, like, well, you know, like, I mean, it's like, that's not, that's not such a surprise. I mean, I'm from Ohio, but, like, it is true. It is true. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. Like, in Ohio, people just assume I'm, like, I'm Christian. And then, like, I come out here and people are, like, look at my hair. They're like, you're Jewish, right? And I'm like, yeah. You know, like, they know. They know. So, um, and they're not Jewish, you know? Yeah. I think in Portugal, you stand out like a good non-sore thumb. Well, maybe they'll say, because I'm from Germany. I mean, my family's German and Czech, so maybe they'll see it. Like, they'll say, oh, German. You, you think know, too like- much of the what is the truth that no one knows. Because I can't, I, when I look at somebody, I don't go, what blend of, of races could this be? There's no way I could do that. You think people are doing that? Well, I don't know. Are you doing that? I don't know. I, I assume <laughs> some people can do it. Like, there are people who can tell... I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking this, but someone wrote on one of my courses like once, this person's thick German accent made it hard to understand. And I thought maybe they could pick up my, but maybe they just had the wrong course. Honestly, Definitely, they don't have a thick German accent. I'm not even close. They're thick if they think that. <laughs> maybe like from their experience, like they could tell I had this German past. But now as I'm saying that, I'm like, no, they probably had the wrong course. Like You keep thinking everyone can read into your soul or something. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. You're right. I don't know. They can taste the corn syrup in your in your accent or whatever. I, you're right. I don't know. But um, I will say that, like, you know, if you are thinking about becoming a digital nomad, um, it's like anything else in life. OK, so like this is one thing that people have noticed about me because I don't really I mean, I failed courses and stuff, so I don't consider myself like an achiever. All right. But I do. But a therapist did say to me, like, Jordan, you're an achiever. You're very goal oriented. I'm like, I am. So I've like kind of come to embrace that. So whether mm-hmm. it's becoming a digital nomad or like, you know, my hair is kind of doing what it's supposed to do today. But like, I've been learning a lot about curly hair. Mine fucked off a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> thing about curly hair is like, there's not a lot of stuff for guys. Like most of, most of the products I buy are for women. <laughs> and most of the like c- people I follow, um, you know, are like, are, they're all women, but like mostly the, their followers are women too. So there's just like not a lot of stuff, but if you want to figure out how to do it, you've got to go to the places where they're teaching it. Of so, um, you know, and you look at many of these uh, women, 
um, will post what they call their curly hair journey, right? And so you see, like, because they have beautiful curls, but you mm -hmm. see that it took them years. I mean, years. Like, this is not a thing that just happens in six months from now. It's a thing that happens because you learn your hair and maybe you eat the right vitamins and you figure out like what works and you figure out the porosity and like you figure out your curl type. And so these things are not like for the, just in keeping with this failure concept here, it, it doesn't matter whether you want to learn how to do your own hair or you want to get your Instagram going or you want to become a digital nomad. Like you are going to fail along the way. And you are going to be faced with anxiety. And there's a certain point at which you know, I find that anxiety, which I used to hate, I find it very thrilling now. And I like go and seek it out, you know, to the point that like, if I have a panic attack, I'm like, let's do this. Like, it feels good. <laughs> like, I like the feeling of it. Not that I like, and I don't have them like I used to. And so my view is if they come on, like I'm here for them. Like I'm here for my body. This is what it wants. You know, it's my own thing. If you, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, you know, that's your problem. Like you're going to have to deal with that because it's not about you. I like, I like that. Because I, uh, I I used to always say, and I still do say, I act like I always used to, but I keep saying it. So what's the difference, I guess? But use fear as fuel. Yeah, right. But then I had a guy on Raj Supermeyer, and I'm pretty sure it was his TED Talk that I stole it from. And then he was talking to me about it. So uh, he just happened to be the guy who said it. And then I had him on the show, and I was like, did I take that from you? Because I'm pretty sure I took it from somewhere. But I've also tried to, because one of the things I've learned is I'm scared of flying. I hate flying. And so one way supposedly to get around it, and I've, I've gone to China and Europe and all sorts of places, so I just have to deal with it. But uh, supposedly the, the way your body deals with anxiety or fear and the way it deals with excitement are pretty close. And if you can convince yourself you're excited rather than afraid, you can kind of trick yourself into not being afraid anymore. So the one of the methods is saying, instead of saying, I'm scared for this flight to be like, I'm excited for it and try to like trick yourself into doing that. And I think that's kind of similar to what you're saying in terms of, yeah, I mean, they are the same, they are the same hormones. I mean, like it is, it is the line between anxiety and like thrill is not, is, is not so clean because mm -hmm. like you need to hone in if you, I mean, look, if, if like a bear is chasing you in the woods, right? Like are you, you may feel a flash of fear, but then it's going to circle into this focus because you got to stay alive. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that we, we tell people that having these like panic attacks and having this anxiety is bad. And this creates like, this creates a narrative, which creates negativity around them. On the other hand, um, embracing them. I mean, this works for me. This is not uh, medical advice for those out there. And I'm not against the medical establishment no licenses, et cetera. Yeah. Right. This works for me as a way to understand it as someone who's been through, like I've been to a psych ward, I've been on all the medications. Like the, the way it works for me is to understand that actually this is like a natural thing to happen. And so rather than be upset about it and, you, and cause like, you know, your brain is giving you this deep sense of focus. So if you're like in your anxious moment, so if you feed it all this negative narrative, that's what it's going to be like, because it's going to just remember that if you feed a positive narrative, it's going to remember that um, but again, this is a years long effort into change into oneself. So if you just try this tomorrow and then you're like, beat yourself up for why it didn't work. Well, of course it didn't work. Mm -hmm. it doesn't, it takes, you have to like reprogram it. And that takes, it's like building muscle, yeah. like everything else, right? It's a slow crawl with a lot of failure. Your mileage may vary on that, on that advice, but it's a long slog either way. Uh, yeah. And figuring out what works for you, regardless of what it is, you know, cause everybody's different. I think if you put in enough grinds, like 
into different ideas, whether it's hot dogs, your hair, whether it's Excel, whether it's running a business, whether it's writing a book, you become used to it. You become, mm-hmm. you understand the process of starting something new. And so then rather than be like, oh, I can't do that because it's so much work, it becomes a lot more of an economical like decision. So I tried to work on my Instagram this year. I wouldn't say I failed. I mean, I built up, I got a, I got like 400 some new followers and now it's growing, but I haven't added to it in a while because it was a lot of work. And like, mm-hmm. I understand, I know that if I keep putting content out and I know that it, I, I will hit on something, it will work. So why am I not working on it? Because my LinkedIn is doing so much better. And it was just taking me away from LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, I'm just killing it on LinkedIn. And it just doesn't make sense for me to, it makes more sense. Like I thought I'd blown up my LinkedIn enough. Now I was going to work on Instagram, but now I'm looking at it and thinking like LinkedIn has so much more to go for me uh, that like I need to be fully focused on that. And so if that means that my Instagram looks funky, it's got some Excel yeah. stuff, it's got hot dogs, like I don't care. You know? <laughs> well, so it took me like 15 years of being on LinkedIn to actually start caring at all, even though <laughs> that's where all the Excel people would be, even though like the average salary of a LinkedIn user is like 120K versus every other social media is like 60K or something like that. So like yep. you can make more money on people on LinkedIn, not that we're trying to necessarily do that, but also like the people who like Excel would be there most likely. But I went kicking and screaming into LinkedIn. Finally, four or five months ago, I started actually trying to build following there because for so long, I was just pissed off about the company page thing too because you're trying to like amp up your own self. So now I'm just focused on me. Yeah, whatever, don't, screw don't the company page. thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. But for a long time, I was like, I got to do both. It was like... No, I know. I felt the same way. And LinkedIn's so boring just on the face of it. I think broadly, LinkedIn doesn't know, like only recently... So like LinkedIn tried to build an influencer base multiple times, you know, they did a top voice, they gave the blue icon, mm-hmm. like, but they never let it grow organically. And this is the first time really, like, I think people are feeling it. Like there's a sense yeah. that LinkedIn, it has some organic activity. And so LinkedIn doesn't know what it wants to do yet. They really thought it was going to try to blow up the business thing. And like, I do think that it was primarily focused on businesses, but now with this, like with all these um, really organic people like you and I, who are not business, they're more creators, right? Like we would be a creator or an influencer on that platform is the best way to put it. Here's what it is, I think. And if I interrupted you, I know I did. No, that's fine. <laughs> Go ahead. So it's your show. <laughs> bi- business meeting comedy, such a lower bar than regular comedy. So I think LinkedIn comedy <laughs> is a much lower bar, like meaning no one's expecting I to do laugh. agree. <laughs> well, but like, that's like my whole thing. Like, that's why I had to do Excel jokes. because People were making the same stupid jokes. Like they were not yeah. funny. So I'm saying if we are, if we feel like we're creative and you go to LinkedIn, then you really feel like you're creative because yeah, I know. people are doing the, the, the networking things we we're talking about, the whatever. It's just throwing stuff out there. That's totally generic uh, about their business stuff. And then as you come at them with anything strange, uh, I mean, I have a group I'll invite you. We don't do much, but it's called business meeting, stand up comedy <laughs> because it's, it's like we want to be the funny ones on LinkedIn, but we don't know what we're doing. But also it doesn't, it's a very low bar. So no one, um, in, a meet, in a real meeting, in a real life meeting, no one's expecting to laugh. So you tell any joke, you can I totally agree with that. Exactly. Yes, it's so true. Kind of the same. But I think people are realizing LinkedIn uh, has a lot of power and it's kind of like we're the early people to it being cool, which no one thinks it's ever going to be. I don't know. I wouldn't say nobody. I mean, I think I know a lot of people. I meant when you are, talk to people outside of it, they're like, LinkedIn? I'm not going to go on LinkedIn. I'm like, okay. Well, but- they, many of them are on it. Like, and also like, you know, a lot of people are 
don't want to be an influencer. They're not there to be a creator. They're there because like, you know, they're bored at their job and it has a resume holder. Yeah. Well, I think that like it's, it literally is a social network for professional people. So you can be bored at your job and you can be on LinkedIn and it's not like being on Facebook or being on YouTube or reading a blog that has nothing to do with, there's something that feels like relevant to your job about being on LinkedIn, whether it is or it isn't like, it's clearly up for serious debate, but Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, it really is a place for professionals. So most people who come on LinkedIn are not like us, but there is a small sliver of people who are, we help the platform. So I should also say that there was a moment where I said to myself, I need to be as good at at LinkedIn as I am at Excel. And that has been a very guiding principle for me um, to really understand it. But like for those who out there are trying to get into LinkedIn, you must know that the algorithm right now is going through, it, it can change from month to month. So don't be a complainer, be someone who speaks to their core audience, who straps in and says like, okay, I don't care because I'm always going to reach my audience. The numbers themselves, like we don't even know if the numbers they gave us were real. Okay. So like I did have a post that made two and a half million uh, impressions and had like, had tons of activity and I mm-hmm. that was one of my jokes and I tried it again and it's not even getting close near that. So I know they changed it um, to like deprecate that stuff. But ultimately, you know, it doesn't, the follower counts don't matter. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is like a, a visceral feeling, which is that you are connected to your audience. When you speak, do they yeah. hear it? Do they listen? Like that's how you and I reconnected after these years because I was making jokes and you liked it you know, and we have, we have stuff that aligns together, but that's more of a spiritual thing I could say. And I love data, but I, I, it annoys me how much people are obsessed with it and they're missing the point, right? It's not yeah. about the data. Um, it's about connecting with your audience. And so long as you're always doing that, like the numbers will come, the money will come, the like, you know, whatever you're looking for will, I mean, you can, you have to guide it, but you, you get what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Yeah. And also like every, follower or whatever you get like people focus on the total number but like that's a human being who decided to exactly. do something exactly to you and like what's really great is there are still tons of accounts that have less than 500 followers on them that means that when you post you're the stuff that they're going to see so like don't that's true forget. and you know i've heard people make tons of mistakes they complain oh well only people in this part of the country have liked it um, you know, I LinkedIn is global. So like, I have no problem from anyone from anywhere. I don't care who your country is, where you're from, like, please, per, I, it, it honors yeah. me when you participate, like in the stuff that I do. So, um, you know, my big thing is never complain because you're here and you yeah. LinkedIn is free for the most part. I mean, I, uh-huh. I, I have yeah. a premium so I can get the stats, but, um, you know, like no, no complaints, like get out there and just do it. Yeah. And also have low expectations. I mean, why <laughs> expect everyone to care about what you have to say? Yeah, right. Make well, sure it's good. I would, first. Call low. I would call them low expectations. I hope yeah, like low expectations. You shouldn't expect it. it to me and expect it. It's, yes. like it's in your hand already. Right. Like, I mean, I'm low, I, I guess I view that more as like entitlement. Like you're not like, but either way, you know, we're just coming to it from the different versions of it. Like sure, yeah. there's no, you know, don't, yeah, like you said, don't expect it to be, to be that way. I mean, and that's part of failure, like expect mm-hmm. failure. You know, I would say to go in and expect failure for as long as possible, even when it starts working, you need to keep expecting, like, how are you going to get derailed? Um, what's going to happen? You know, I like. Think, I think even the most creative people and the most successfully creative people also don't think they're that creative and don't think they're that good. So, true. I mean, it's, it's part of the game, I think. I mean, if you do, you've got probably something wrong. <laughs> you should take like, that away a bit 
I don't think of myself as lazy, but like, I don't think I work as hard as other people. What I'm saying is I think I've thought I was lazy too. I hate to do lists. I hate a lot of things like that typical businesses make you do, but I think we can get super hyper-focused into things and do more work than anyone's ever done on the thing you made or what, you know, like things that we get excited about, but it's like, how do we find out the things that we get excited about? How do we get motivated? Yeah. We're not motivated by the traditional like corporate rewards or whatever the things are. And so we just find things that interest us and go deep down that path because I know I can do an infinite amount of work if it's something I enjoy and, and I'm interested in, even if it's not um, fun on the face of it, you know? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, I think that's correct. Like I'm not like, I'm not motivated by corporate awards. No, I guess I do. I do have two awards here. Yeah, I got the Microsoft home behind me too. So we were both flaunting. I know, but like, I, I like doing it and I like, yeah, I like doing it. I like it when it's done, but like, I don't need constant validation after that. I don't really know, like, as far as like, I think it's very sad when I hear would-be entrepreneurs just talk about how lazy they are. They always say, I'm lazy, I'm lazy, I'm lazy. It's like, well, why, like, why do you think that? It's like, well, I'm not working on my stuff. It's like, well, why aren't you working on your stuff? Well, it's like, well, I got this to do. I got my kids. I got to like, do this. It's like, well, it sounds like you don't have time. And it's like, well, that's not laziness. Like you don't have time. Like, yeah. I don't know how to make more time for you. Like, I mean, that's part of your struggle is to put your creative energy into figuring out how you can maximize that space, whether that means things have to change people in your life have to take on more responsibility. You might have to take another job. I mean, there might be some frightening changes that have to happen for you to become a, um, an entrepreneur full time, but let's at least recognize it for where you are and what it is. Is that really laziness? Because someone who's doing a million different things is not lazy at all in my mind. Like they just don't have energy left. Yeah. They're not prioritizing or they're not focusing or they don't know what they want yet. So they're just trying a lot of things. It's hard. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, there are people like, you know, I was part of a coaching program. This person's working on their dissertation. They're like, Oh, but I'm not working on my business. And it's like, I'm now making, making them make fun of voice, but in truth, I, <laughs> oh, I'm not even... <laughs> I shouldn't do that. Cause I feel sympathetic. Cause like yeah. they're working on their dissertation. They, yeah. they have a school, they have other things like, I don't know if you look at it top down, you will just see that you don't have time for everything. And that like, if something has to go, why shouldn't it be this business that's just an idea right now? Like if we change the way we thought about working, like if you were in the shower thinking about your business, that would be working. If you dream about your business, that's free work. That's the best kind of work, you know? Cause like you get free, uh, you get like free insight, which may be kind of hard to decipher, but you don't, you know, it's so like, I just, there is no, for me, like I wake up and I work on my, like I wake up and I work on the business because the, the ball needs to be pushed forward. Progress needs to be made, but mm -hmm. you know, I've been, I've been not feeling well. I've been a little sick these last few days. So I took a break. Like it's my life. Who cares? So yep. if we could get people to, but I, it didn't used to be that way. Four years ago, I'd be like, I got to work and I would have worked. I would have worked very hard. So in big city culture and also just America in general, yeah, it's like, can we, True glorify like working yourself to death and like being too tired to even be awake at work and eating 18 coffees to get through the day or whatever like is that's a good thing yeah like we can't just for the man i think it's not but go ahead oh no yeah if you do it for just for the man it's not i just think like you know it's very hard because we we like have we have competing narratives right pro hustle anti-hustle like what should you do you got to work like i just want everyone to know if you are thinking about doing your own business like, I hate to say it to you, but you, but you must hustle. Like it is a grind. You will have to like go and knock on doors. You will have to do things that make you uncomfortable. Now, if you're giving that grind energy to your job, right. To mm -hmm. 
your nine to five. Don't do that. Okay. No. Don't lose sleep over them. They don't deserve it. They have not earned it. And yes. for whatever it's worth, if you're thinking about like a side hustle, the best way to think about this is that your real job is the side hustle and what you're trying to figure out with the rest of your life. That's your real job. Okay. Here's my, here's my take. Yeah. Do the side hustle at the real job. Use their, use your company. I can't say that I never did it. You know, but I, I would do so much stuff. Cause like, if I'm going to take an Excel thing and make it take from 10 hours to two hours. And they're going to make me do 10 hours of work, but no matter what the hell happens, I'm going to screw off for eight hours. And then I'm going to do some cool stuff that wouldn't have done otherwise. Cause they're not going to let you keep the time you save. And if you're actively improving your own abilities to save time, why do they get it? I agree with you. Don't give it to them because they don't deserve it. And they, for the vast majority of you, they could fire you at will. Like, and even if they, even if they can't fire you at will, they probably can because there's nothing you could do. Even if they violate your contract, like, what are you going to do? You're going to hire a lawyer when they're like, they got seven lawyers. I felt irreplaceable, but I've been fired from every job. Like I said, yeah, uh, I've, been, thing. I've been fired from a few jobs, not all of them. There are ones where they didn't want me to leave and I had to go for, you know, cause that like I had to move. Did you quit them? Yeah, I quit. I mean, but I've had a lot of jobs, but like, I don't, I, I would say my last one, it's a debate whether it was fired or laid off or a bit of both. Uh -huh. Yep. Yeah. KPMG, I resigned, but they told me to. <laughs> I wasn't like that. I mean, some of them I knew I was going to get fired. I just knew it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And I, I left before they fired me. Or See, I left. That's what I would not do. I never quit. Cause I'd be like, why would I quit when I'm getting paid? <laughs> I'm not going to drain my, my energy to like, to give it to other people when I know it's not working out. Like I just did less. I just physically retracted until well, I but, got then, but then what are they going to do? They're going to put you on a performance improvement plan. Like correct. Stand you, oh, stand and then you get unemployment though, eventually, but they're just going to yell at you and hover over you and like make they're me gonna do that anyways, though. Like, I'm not going to grow. I don't, I'm not going to take their money. To, I'm not going to let them pay me to do that. Like, you can't pay me to, to do that to me. Like I've, I've interviewed and hired people that ended up firing me because I didn't do stuff and putting me on a pip, even though I hired this person. You hired they, person put you on a pip? I'm yeah, sorry. Twice, twice. And also I hired people who filled in my gaps. So they're to-do list type people. And oh I'm not, I've never had that person, but then they'd become my boss or whatever. Cause they don't want to make the Excel guy a boss. Cause then he's not doing Excel. I don't know. I mean, listen, like I, I had a chance to go on a pimp and I was just like, let's, I mean, like, it's not like they didn't, the thing is I was brought in to do something and then I did it. Like I was brought in to like, uh, like create a process for like bringing projects in and like optimize. And of course I'm great at that. Like that's like coding to me, you know, mm -hmm. I love, I love logistics. Right. So you look at a whole system and then you start piece pulling the pieces away and you can really optimize it. So I live my life life that way. But eventually once you do that, you need someone to actually run the projects. And I was not good at it at that point. And I don't know if I had the real interest to do it. And so they were like, look, we can put you on a pip or we could just acknowledge you did a great job up to this point. Yeah. Now we need something else and you're not that person. And I was just like, yep, that's the truth of it. So, um, you know, I left that one on, on good terms. Other ones I just left because I knew that, that I didn't like my manager. Uh-huh. I just, I don't like being told what to do rudely, you know, like, I, I, just, like I don't know what it is. I just couldn't quit. I've had to put the, you know, I'll flex sometimes when I'm in charge of stuff and like, I don't like having to do it, but first I'm nice and then I'm not nice. So like, but I'm, I'll be nice four or five times until like, you know, I'll, I'll stop nudging then I'll be direct. And then I'll be like, Hey, I don't understand what the problem is here. Like, what are you not getting? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't like, 
I don't know. Like I'm kind of sympathetic to, to people. Maybe I was not the best employee, um, but I am where I'm supposed to be now. I am a good contractor. Like if you hire me, I, I will stick to my deadlines. I do over communicate. You, I don't know if you're a deadline person. That's what I was really bad at was uh, whenever at, at work, especially they were saying, like, how long will this take to do? And if it's something I've never done yet, and it's like a big puzzle that I got to put together, like I would either be uh, like optimistic about <laughs> the deadline and then be way off or just have no idea how to estimate something that is yet to be solved problem, you know? I mean, and they hold it to you to the day you picked or whatever the hell it is. They do hold I mean, a good manager is going to know that they shouldn't hold you to that. And like some people who still work at like one of the big fours that I worked at just told me, they're like, we didn't have the skill then to add time to it. Now we just add time and then we just enjoy our lives. And that's what they never taught us how to do. And I couldn't do that. I, I had trouble. I often have trouble really like understanding how long a project is going to take. Now I t- only take on projects that are within a specific sphere. So I have a really strong understanding. I also don't have any competing I don't have a lot of competing admin work that I must do. Like, even if I do for my business, I can, you know, I can prioritize. There's no one breathing yeah. down my neck saying, Oh, well, you also got to send this report. You got to do like, I had a manager. Um, I don't care. This is go ahead. This is a, I had a manager when I was working at EY. We're deep. If someone's this long into yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I had a manager when I was working at EY and like, I was supposed to give them like a, a straight up, like dead ass presentation, like every week, like a presentation, uh-huh. you know, like, and like, eventually at first, the first two he liked, but then I kept having to send them in anyway. And he wasn't looking at them. And then we'd like, he'd be like, well, I thought I told you this. I'm like, it was in the presentation that you had me build where you said this. And like, you said you reviewed it. And now you're t- like, I don't mind if you change your mind, but don't like yell at me as if we had a conversation about it when I had it like handwritten, <laughs> like I put it in the weekly presentation that you asked for. And I just thought, this is absurd. I don't even give my clients like yeah. uh, this level of, of detail and why. For what? Like this is going to go on a rating system, but then then I'm going to figure out a bonus. I don't even like working here. So yeah, with respect to EY, because they do get great awards for people who work there. It just wasn't for me. So well, with a big fuck you to KPMG because I don't care about being <laughs> polite or whatever. Uh, it's bullshit that they just waste much time. And then when you start there, you're like adding stuff on paper, like making sure it adds up. Like you're doing the dumbest stuff. So I was. They spend so much time just servicing the ego of, of managers, and then they like. Where they it's rotate you through best. different teams, and then so you don't even get to know anybody. Like you'll you'll impress somebody, but then it doesn't matter. You don't get to take that to the next thing. No, it's such a over. such a dice roll. And like you know, the thing is, like I impressed like the CFO of our region by how fast I made this spreadsheet. Like he was shocked, mm-hmm. and like uh, you know, my manager was like, "Well, he may have been impressed, but I didn't like that you didn't have this and that." And I'm like, oh. "You're scope creeping your own project, man. Why are you scope creeping your own projects?" Like my first thing was an adding sheet. That was like my first thing that I really learned how to do. An adding sheet. Myself in Excel. <laughs> so you type in some like foot and cross foot stuff because it's like, yeah, I, I don't want to look at my calculator and wonder if I typed it all in right and stuff like that. So uh, it was one of my first things that I got someone else's Excel model. I recon- deconstructed, reconstructed that kind of thing, you know, which is yeah, mainly how people learn is like over on the job site, tribal knowledge yeah. version. Totally. Uh, which is crazy to me, but is there anything, cause we're way long. Yeah. Is there anything uh, that you have to say about the historical stuff before I get in the last two questions, which are more forward looking historical stuff as in like past failures or anything. Uh, the next two questions are going to be either current present or forward looking stuff. So is there anything about your past or just the concept of failure that you want to get out before I go to this very, I mean, like, I'll just say this. Okay. I moved to New York city at that time. 
I was married and I had a job. Okay. I got divorced. I lost my job. I started a new company that had a partner with that company that didn't work out. So then that blew up, you know, and then like I became an EMT, but then I hurt my back. And, you know, this all happened during the pandemic. And um, I, I had a partner during that time too, when we recently split. So like, I don't know. And then also during that time, my, my apartment flooded during hurricane Ida. And, oh. uh, you know, this is when my back was messed up. So I couldn't even like move stuff out in the property management company. They didn't want us there. Like they really wanted us to go because. Was that the place I talked to you at? Yeah, that was the last place. Okay. And so that got flooded. So they never sent anyone out. My furniture all got ruined. I had actually even taken, like put up a lawsuit against them, which I just withdrew. Cause I just decided. Yeah. I wanted to let it go. I don't care. My life is better now. I mean, it's, it stinks that I lost that furniture and stuff on the one hand, but on the other hand, you know, uh, some of that stuff was weighing me down. I mean, it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to imagine that that stuff went away, but it was weighing me down. It was preventing me from moving where I wanted to move because it was my old stuff for my marriage. And so like, I don't know, the universe has a way of evening things out. All of this could be considered a failure, but now I'm like at the cusp of about to like go move to Portugal and be a digital nomad and live a dream that I've always wanted to do. So at what cost did it come? I don't know if any, all the stuff that had to happen in the past had to happen, but the fact of the matter is that it did happen and it did shape the way I think about this world. And if I had to do it all over again, I don't, I could choose to do things differently, but the universe would have probably played out the same sort of things. So that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with how uh, I'd still be working on one of those jobs. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'd still be working on a job, Love. you know? So I'm happy that I have to do my own thing. So being a guest on the show, uh huh, you get a get out of fail free card. So I'm going to, Hand this to you. It's just not actually. Hey, let me grab it here. Here, yeah, go for it. Yeah, got it. I mean, it's not even actually. It doesn't say that it's someone else's business card. Um, so, uh, get out of fail free cards. So this is not in the past uh, where you don't have to rewrite history. But is there a hobby, a passion, a thing that you have avoided because of the amount of failure that is? involved so i i typically use stand-up comedy as my example because you, you got to go bomb or whatever but some people might do acting whatever it is what would you yeah. get out of fail free card for I don't, I don't have it i mean i just like i do all the things i want to do like to be honest with you like i'm kind of over that like if i want to do something i just kind of figure out how to make it happen there's nothing that's like oh i would do i'd be a pilot but i i'm too scared to do anything you've got nothing i mean look i like i tried stand up like i wouldn't say i just don't did you yeah i mean like i i mean people said i was funny so i've done a few mics like how was it i mean like that would require a lot of work i guess like it's like it's not it's different from when i do my like normal speaking because when i do normal speaking everyone's warm like you said people are ready to laugh at places where mm -hmm. they're not uh when you're when you do it in front of a bunch of comedians they're just like they're all just kind of well, first of all, New York comedians are all depressed anyway. So like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, no, New York's a tough place to do comedy, <laughs> but like, you know, just, I've done a few mics here. Like I think especially here, cause other places I've done it, people are friendlier, you know, people here are just kind of like, they just like spilled their guts. What about Pilates? What about it? You can use your fellow card for that. It could be for anything. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm doing Pilates. Like I want to do. Saying, is there other uh, like workout related stuff, or do you want to give it back? I mean, I guess I tried yoga, but I, you want to give it to somebody else, pay it forward, pay it backward. I, I mean, I could I could pay it forward, but I could just I just want to tell people that they should just get to a point that either they accept that they don't want to do something for X Y and Z reasons, mm -hmm. or they should just decide they want to go do it. 
I mean, that's it. Like, I mean, look, I don't have kids. <laughs> just pretend like you have the card already and just do it. Well, I'm just like, well, what are the things that like, what, I don't know what it would be like. Um, I don't know. Like I, okay. I tried to do MMA. Okay. Like, so I did MMA for like mm-hmm. six months. I was not very good at that. I, you know, I did, I, I think the last sparring I did was um, this person. She would, she had three years on me kick the shit out of me. And I kind of liked it, but like, you know, busted my lip open, but like, I just, I felt like I wasn't coordinated and I wasn't good. So I told myself for a long time, well, you just can't fight. You're not good at sports, all that stuff. But what I'm learning through Pilates is that I never was taught how to like be athletic. So I never really like held my core in. I didn't really understand how, how any of that works. So now that I have a new thought on it, like, I don't really know, maybe I'll get back to it. I don't know if I have time. I don't know what my future is going to be. Yeah, but yeah. it would be cool to get back into martial arts. But see, I guess what I'm trying to get at is I have at least, what, 40, 50 years left on this earth. I don't have to decide that I'm not, that I need a failure card yet. So with respect to your system, I just don't feel like I have anything like no, that's fine. that for me. To be clear, it's it's not real. So you're not going to actually avoid anything. No, I know. And I mean, like, it's more to see what is it what is, that you're not doing that you should be. But you, apparently you are pursuing everything. If I'm scared of it, I go do it. Yeah. Well, what's the thing that you're most scared of recently that you're now doing? Like, is there anything that you're, that you? so the next question is, uh, I, instead of fake it till you make it, I say fail it till you nail it. So it's like, what's the thing that you're now doing that you haven't done in the past that you're going to just keep messing up until you get better at it? I mean, just becoming a digital nomad, you know, like, like I effectively, I like to joke that I already was a digital nomad. I just never moved anywhere. Like, cause I came here to New York and I don't really have any New York clients right now. So mm-hmm. Uh, it would be, I could have in any, even if I did, like I could still probably do it from anywhere. I have no on-site clients. You're from Ohio. So you're technically a digital nomad in New York. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, and so, but I've never done this before. And I think for a while I convinced myself that um, I needed to retire to do it. Like I just kept thinking it was something so far away. And then when I came back, I went on like a vacation back home to Ohio, just went with old friends. And I came back and I thought, you know, I think I'm just done with New York. Like, I think I'm ready to move on. Yeah. Where should I go? And I looked across the U.S. It's like everywhere here is still expensive. You know, it still has. Uh, we need we need space and to be cheaper. I want I want to find those things, and they're not in the U.S. So that's why I'm also yeah. thinking go somewhere else because I, I want to find like a city with a lot of people that is not expensive, which is not easy to do. But I realized it's not going to happen in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just looked overseas, and then I I looked at what was possible, and I saw this like going to Portugal, bringing my cat would be easier. Um, you know, to, to Portugal and like, just, there's all these things that lined up. And so I was like, all right. I, then I talked to a few friends. I'm like, am I crazy? Would I be crazy by doing this? And they're like, no, go do it. Like, yeah, dude. what are you talking about? Just like, just live your life. So you and Elgato, that's it. I mean, you know, go right. If you're out there and you're wondering, how do I write a book? You just go write it. Like, who cares if no one you're like, well, what if people don't like it? I don't know. Or what, what will you do if people don't like it? Are you going to cry in a corner? Like you might for a little bit, but maybe you'll just. Every book has, has one star reviews on Amazon. Every book. Including mine. So people are going to not like it no matter what. But like, what are, what will you do? Let us say like, as people did do on my, on my big book on dashboards has a 3.7 review. So all my other books have like 4.5 and above, mm-hmm. which I love, but that one is a 3.7. Well, why? Well, I go read their comments and it's like, cause it's like, it's talks about a whole bunch of stuff and it does this and that. And like, what I'm realizing is maybe I wrote the book that I wanted to read, but not the one that would do as well. Mm -hmm. So the other ones that have done well were much smaller, a lot more tight, specific and to the point people like those more. So you can decide for yourself, right? Do you want to write a book that 
you would read or do you want to write a book that other people want? And that decision is your decision to make, but you can't always have both. But I do think for me, the more I write a book that other people want, I write a book that I want to read. Like I figure out kind of how to fuse those things together mm-hmm. um, without like jeopardizing it. But ultimately. So you're your target market more in your own mind. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, but before you were writing from a, not the target market's point of view, but your own. Now they're kind of merging. I thought I, it was my first book, to be fair. Like, but yeah, like, I guess what I'm trying to get at is let's say people do come back with a critique. Okay. Well, what are you going to do? Like you, you're the type of person, if you've written one book, you can write another. So you just take the critique and you just keep going. Like, honestly, it's something you should be like happy that someone went out of their way to tell you yeah, what's wrong with it. If they're not being an asshole about it, it's, it's really not easy to tell somebody what's wrong with their thing. And I've, I remember getting a comment saying, like, you say, um, and uh, like every other word. And then I literally went through all of them and edited out all the ums and ahs because of this, what this one person said. And I was like, I hate them and love them at the same time. I really, I mean, you don't need to do that shit. I don't know. Like, we'll see. I, mean, I know, but I meant like they were right. And it was more like, so in the future, instead of an um or an ah, I would pause. Yeah. Like, and you know, I, you'd learn from it and you're like, but taking that constructive criticism and not getting uh, defensive is is not easy especially at first yeah it is and i was defensive at first when people critiqued the book i was i i wrote something back you don't get it i saw what stephen few was doing he was writing negative like he was critiquing their critiques so i thought i would do that um but now i look back and i'm embarrassed that i i had done that it was like a heckler thing you were trying to just like don't this you're incorrect in your description of this book and don't say that i don't know i i'm like embarrassed i could probably find it but the thing is I've come to realize, look, everyone's got an opinion. Not all of them are, are worth listening to. I think once you start seeing patterns of opinions, that's when it's starting to, oh, it's worth listening to. Mm-hmm. One interesting thing about like my current book is that two people have said that there were, the print was wrong. So what we found out is people have like stolen the proof like of the book and they have a crappy version of it and they'll print on demand and they'll sell it on Amazon. And so there's nothing I can, I or the publisher can really do about that, except I find those people on LinkedIn and I just try to send them a real book. Mm-hmm. The other thing is someone said it smelled bad. Like, so, you know, to me, there really is this, like, there are three reviews now on the product of the book itself, right? On the physical aspect of the book. So I think that's worth listening to. That's all I'm going to say. So there's a pattern there. Well, can you, so I'm going to read something real quick from this book. Cause I think it's interesting about what you just said. <laughs> the greatest salesman. Yeah, but it's it's the fine print in the front that I want to read. Okay. Um, but then I want you to pitch or like give us all your links, all your everything. I don't know the name of that book that you were just mentioning. Can you mention it real quick? Okay, yeah, no problem. What was that? What was the, the most recent book? Is what what's it called? Oh, Becoming a Data Head is what it's called. Awesome. I love the name. I just want to read you this because you'll get this. If you purchase this book without a cover, you should be aware that this book is stolen property. It was reported as unsold and destroyed to the publisher, and neither the author nor the publisher have received any payment for this stripped book. Wow. I was reading that and I was like, what is this all about? And this is from like the 60s. So it's clearly someone had a, they're like, we'll just rip off the covers, no big deal. And then they were starting to sell them and doing some dicey stuff. But it sounds kind of like what you were. Yeah, right. Dealing with that. I mean, there's a whole market for that. You can't even do anything about it. Just like, you know, in terms of complaining about that, it's just like, welcome to publishing, you know, like, Hey, someone thinks I did something good and they stole it. At least yeah, it's right? worth stealing. I know that's like, you know, people spend so much time trying to protect their ideas and it's like, you don't even know if it's a good one worth stealing, you know? Oh yeah. My Chrome is not coming up. Otherwise I'd supply the links here. Um, but I'll just tell you. So 
Uh, my I have four books right now. So my first uh-huh. two books are Dashboards for Excel and Advanced Excel Essentials. All right, Dashboards is, is really my manifesto. That was the one that has a 3.7. But for those listening, if you really want to learn how to do Excel, like this one's going to tell you how to do it. Um, Advanced Excel Essentials is actually just nine chapters from Dashboards plus a chapter or two to like make it a little different. Um, no, it's funny. My, my current course is called Excel Essentials. So okay. I guess we thought it was probably... I've noticed there's a lot of them after I named it. Well, mine's advanced Excel essentials. Yeah, it's better than mine. <laughs> mine's basic ass bitch ass. Excel well, the, the publisher named it. They had an essential series. So they're just oh, like, okay. hey, yeah, I didn't, I didn't name it. Um, so then the last book I wrote, so then I didn't write a book. So that one came out in 2015. So then I didn't write a book until 2020. So that, that uh, so I started writing Becoming a Data Head with my uh, friend, Alex Goodman, who I knew from my first job. Mm-hmm. Unlike unlike me, he's kept his jobs and he has a PhD in math and stats. So we started this by saying I'm not that good at math. So he rounded me out or rounded the, the book out, I should say, in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And he and I talked about this book for almost 10 years. So, um, you know, we finally uh, we finally put it together and uh, we wrote it during the pandemic. And then it came out last year and it's done very well, has a hundred and about a hundred has 149 ratings unless you added the 150th. I forgot that I even said I was going to do that. <laughs> uh, you said you were going to do it. I have to read it before I can review it. And I, I didn't. thought you were going to do it. I'm like waiting for I it. I can't read a book. I need an audio book. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to be a disingenuous I thought, reviewer. Well, I thought when you wrote that, I thought maybe you bought, had bought the book, read it. Like, it I just, meant like you're going to be on my podcast. I got to read your book. And I was kind of tongue in cheeking it because I don't even read. <laughs> I've been sitting here like looking at the ratings. I'm like, <laughs> All right, well, I'll pay someone to read it. I can't read. I mean, I'm literally, I can't. Just like well, if I was telling you, but do a bunch of math problems of a specific variety, like factorials or whatever you're talking about, you'd be like, I'm going to pawn this off on someone else. Or, yeah, your reviews are going to suffer. Meaning, I'm happy to go give you a good review, but it would be based on blind faith. In your no, I hear you. I'd rather get an honest review. Like, I'm, but I didn't mean to imply that I was going to go do any of that. Oh, it's fine. I, I, <laughs> I thought you were going to, but it's fine. I can't even edit my own episodes, let alone get to reading other people's. That's fair. It is a quick read. For those for those listening, it is a quick read. Send it to me and I'll try and I'll let you know if it's possible. For me. Okay. I mean, I'll try. I'll really try. It'll be, it's up to you. I don't really have any sort of uh, thoughts about it one way or another. Like, you know, it's if someone reads the book, I hope you read it. But if you don't, read it. it's up my alley. It's just, and, it, and I don't like reading usually because, well, I hate fiction. So I'm always reading nonfiction, but I'm listening. I always read nonfiction. Yeah, I don't read. But since either. it's got data related, I might actually read it. It's just uh, I'm, I buy books of an audiobook to listen to, so I can give it to somebody and say, "Hey, this is a good book. You should read it because you know how to read." All right. I mean, maybe we like maybe we get we the publisher releases an audiobook. I doubt it, but maybe that'll happen one day. Is it one? Is it more? Uh, maybe possible. The data head one is it more? Yeah, it is. It is. So the data head book, I should say. It's very, it has only a small amount of math in it. You know, we kept it light. Um, How about I do the audiobook? I'll record it. And that way I read it. I, that way I read it. I think it's a great idea. You could record yourself, record yourself saying it out loud. And then the last book I'm, I'm currently working on is called Data Smart. That actually is not my book. That was written by John Foreman in 2013. And it was a book explaining how to do data science with Microsoft Excel. And so they haven't, that book is, you know, it's been used as a textbook. It's had a lot of like popular, um, it's had a nice following and they need someone to update it. And uh, he wasn't re- interested in the update. So I actually, at the start of this year, I was kind of bored. 
And I was like, I need to get another book. I need to do something. I'm, I'm bored. I need something. So I pitched the idea to them and they, they went for it very quickly. Uh, I wasn't sure that they would. So that's an interesting way to do it. So it's like taking an old thing. And, exactly. And like, yeah. you know, it's, it's just updating some screenshots, updating some of the stories. I have some new topics I put in there a lot more. There was no emphasis on Power Query. You know, obviously Power Query was not really a thing when he wrote it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's like, I mean, I'm just like kind of updating and updating the examples. And again, you know, I sent it in to the technical editor. This time, my technical editor, one of them is Alex, who wrote the book with me. And he was looking at the probability examples. He's like, you, you got you got these wrong. And I'm like, I'm so embarrassed because like I wrote a book on data science. But this is this is failure. This is how it works. You just have to be OK with it. Um, you know, it's like I, I do have imposter syndrome when it comes to the math side of this stuff. But I just accept it. And I, I'm very honest about it. So like I, it's not like I, I show people. It's not like I, I act like I'm more than I am. Well, that's how you get past it. You find someone who's got that skill set to match, you know, where you're weak. Exactly. And then you can figure it out. So where should people go to connect with you? Uh, LinkedIn, obviously. Yep. And then they can go to advancedxl.com. Also mm-hmm. as well, they can email me. This this site is not up yet. Jordan at anarchydata.com. But they will find that on my LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the place where I do most of my work. So if you're listening right now, you should go to my Jordan Goldmeyer LinkedIn. That is, if you want to know how to spell it, G-O-L-D-M-E. I-E-R. I'm just going to say that again because there's an extra E in there. So it's G-O-L-D-M-E-I-E-R. Or go to www.ben.fail and it'll redirect to my LinkedIn and then just look for him in my LinkedIn. That's so so memorable. They have a dot fail now. I love it. Meaning for a long time, they didn't have a dot fail. And I was like, why did they have a dot fail? I don't know if there's a dot win. I also have an, I, I wrote an article on failing but it's not coming up my Chrome's failing. Ooh, that, you can send me this whenever and I'll, I'm not going to read it now. You can email me it. I'm saying. Okay. It's uh, Ben at pod.fail. <laughs> and I just put it in the chat, even though it doesn't matter. Did you know you can save Zoom chats? I did. Okay, perfect. Everyone should know that. And I have to tell people uh, it's like a compulsion. <laughs> I can't, I can't put something in the chat and not tell them that they can save it. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate everything. And I look forward to either, um, reading your book out loud for everybody or myself. I could just listen to my own reading of it because I might not get the information when I'm just reading it for others or checking out what you're doing with anything else. But either way, I thank you so much for being on the show, sharing your stories with the listeners. And I look forward to, uh, letting them hear it. Cool. Thanks for having me. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.